Hi guys, and welcome back to the podcast. And in today's episode, Bernard and I sit down with Dave Bean, head greenkeeper at Nace Golf Club, and we ask him a few questions. How does he keep the course so well, and what does the future of greenkeeping look like? Let's get into this. Hello guys, and welcome back to the podcast. And today I am joined by head pro at Nace, Bernard Queedy, and head greenkeeper, Dave Bean. Welcome to the show, guys. Hi, Phil. Hi, Phil. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Um, obviously, you know that Ryan isn't with us. He's away at the moment. That will be revealed. <laughs> Ryan will reveal that to you guys. So we'll, we'll, we'll leave that with him to tell you that news. But um, I wanted to, first of all, say, great job, Dave. Thanks. If anybody has played nice, they'll know that it's probably... W- one of the finest golf courses in the country, maintenance-wise. It's kept in top-notch condition all year round. And um, with the amount of volume that we actually have, anybody knows nice, the amount of members and members playing, like how do you actually keep a course in this good of a condition? Um, as well as you know, being a member of the course, it's a member's own golf course. So a lot of it's to do with the inputs that were we were given from budgets and, you know, I suppose progressive um, golf course committees, executive committees. And I, 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 at the end of the day, it always goes back to the staff and the course, good greenkeeping team, people who are diligent, you know, know what to want from the golf course. So I suppose from... Maintenance point of view, it's it's. I would like to class ourselves as high end maintenance. Um, we don't leave anything to chance. Obviously, there's always stuff we'd love to get done. Um, we always want to do more, but we try and do the basics right. During the winter months, um, we do a lot of kind of rotate the play um, off dif- different tees, try and keep the, the golf course as fresh as possible. Yeah. We'd have we'd use a lot of ropes on the course, so we're managing traffic from. Yeah. I suppose we're trying to reduce the wear because I think golfers kind of forget like from May to May to September you're kind of in a high growth period for six months of the year and then we go in like we've you know generally get into the end of August or October and we still have good growth November December January February uh, growth reduces dramatically so Mm. when growth reduces recovery reduces so that's just about play and sometimes then which in fairness I got a lot of support from the golf club like uh, when I shut the golf course I just don't shut it for a reason it shut to protect the course and protect the playability of it and it then shows though it yeah, really and does. It, it's worked well and you just golfers then can when they're playing they're playing in good conditions yeah because I think the, when I bring a guest here the common thing I get to hear is uh, I've, I didn't realise Nice was in this good of a condition yeah, yeah, it really is. Or how good a layout it actually is as well. Yeah. It's a real kind of hidden gem. Yeah, I don't like using that word. It's so overused, but like it's true. Yeah. How did you get into greenkeeping? Uh, I suppose uh, so sometimes by chance, I suppose. Um, I suppose back in the day when I was in school, I would have seen myself. I was into golf, loved golf, probably played a lot of sports. Um, would have seen, my, I was kind of going to go the engineering route or into the professional golf route. Um, I um, I was potentially going to get a summer job in, I think, Selbridge Driving Range. Um, and then my father was working in uh, Killeen, Ford Lakes at the time, which is now Killeen Golf Course. He was doing excavation work in some of the bunkers and that. 
Uh, so I got a summer job through that and I'm greenkeeping I think 35 years <laughs> later <laughs> so I haven't left the industry which is no. good like, and but it's, it's great that you're a golfer as well because you understand what golfers are looking for yeah no I, I, thankfully I'd play to I suppose well, not a professional level because Bernard has given me a few lessons on how far the ball should travel <laughs> unfortunately my ball doesn't travel that far uh, no but I love the skill of the game love the kind of the art of uh, striking the ball, trying to hit fairways, trying to like yeah. uh, I would probably class myself as a decent uh, short game player, like around the green. So it's all about ball bounce, ball release, mm. ball roll, and I think that's kind of what golfers are looking for as well. Mm. Yeah, and like um, with nice, um, what what kind of grass is here? Like because because it, it plays well. Like well, what is it? Yeah, see, this is, I suppose, uh, we've so much variance with environmental pressures and golf courses and what's coming down the road with um, plant protection products been reduced. Uh, we've basically uh, Poa Annua or, or Annual Meadowgrass, which is probably in, I'd say, 90% of Parkland golf courses um, you know, in Ireland. Um, to me, to give really, really good putting surfaces when you can mm. manage the organic matter levels, when you can try and get the, the firmness in the greens, which is very tricky with uh, meadow grass because it, it is a soft, productively a soft grass. Like, and sometimes, you know, you know, if you're talking, looking at any of the American agronomy books, or that, it's deemed as a weed grass. But for me, it's a crucial grass because it's environmentally adapted to this area. It's our native grass. It okay, yeah. it works well, but it's a high end, high stressful grass, um, which you know it dries out very quick. Uh, you need plant protection products to keep fusarium and anthracnose and different disease pathogens out. So, like, it is a tricky grass to manage, but when you have it, you have it. Like, it can, there's no better grass to put on. Are you you talking about? The difference between that and we say bent grass greens. Yeah, bent grass traditionally would be, you know, would come from the, I suppose, the northern climates of America um, or the cooler kind of, um, to good grasses, uh, probably some of them are disease prone, some of them are less disease prone. We've tried to introduce, I suppose, creeping bent grass or grasses, grasses um, that would be more disease tolerant, but generally then we can come into colder, like we've six months, five, six months of cooler weather. At the end of the day, metagrass will always win out unless you you try not you reduce feed on it, then it doesn't perform. So it's so it's such a tricky position to try and get the balance between environmental pressures and good putting surfaces. So I think you're either doing managing bent grasses or you're managing poa. You can't do a mix. And you, your preference is poa, is it? Yeah, once like they're high end, you need to put, you need to have a budget to put into them. Um, so you need to you need to put the you have to have resources to manage them correctly. Yeah, you mentioned something there about uh, organic matter. Yeah, uh, so basically the the plant is a, is a li- like I think golfers kind of forget this. They think it's a carpet or it's um, a non living. Uh, I suppose thing um, a non living. It's a living plant. Uh, so the the plant is it produces, I suppose, organic waste. The leaves die. Um, you have root mass. You have, you know, it's it's a living plant. So it's always recycling itself. So it'll produce new roots. Then some of the older roots or roots will die. Same with the leaf tissues. 
Um, so it does create organic matter attached. And what, what does that do to the surface then? Generally, if, if it's not managed, and this is for golfers, I suppose, don't like disruption to the greens um, from aeration. So we'd be taking, trying to take 4 to 5% of the surface out when we're aerating and then try and put new sands back in to reduce the organic matter levels. So sanding is one of the biggest... Sanding is key and that's why over the last couple of years here in the golf club um, we've we've kind of gone to a 7-14 day uh, sand top dressing application. So we're not putting on huge applications all at once. We're, we're sand top dressing through the season and we're continuously diluting that um, organic matter levels. But you notice that it's not massive amount of sand that it's it's yeah. the green it's just, still performs quite well, doesn't yeah, it? Phil? Yeah, it's like a, you barely notice it as a golfer, like <laughs> uh, because you you just come over and kind of skim it after it's been settling there, and it kind of nearly disappears. Yeah, we we drag mat it in um, in the summer. Sometimes we we put on the irrigation that night and um, wash the sand particles into the the profile of the grass um, and cut it the next day. Um, it, it, yeah, I suppose sand gets a bad. It's probably the, one of the most important things you do in a golf course, but <laughs> it gets an awful rap from golfers. Thankfully, here at Nice, golfers have bought into it because they see the quality now that can yeah. be produced it's from a, it. So. It's hard to argue with what's out there, like you know, and the prep and the work that you guys put in, like it, it really does show. Like, there's not there's nothing out of place like you're not going to get like a pile of leaves somewhere and it's it's all taken care of like you know it's it's really impressive but I do have a pet peeve <laughs> um, when I go onto a green I have a tendency to find a lot of pitch marks okay. well, well what does that actually do to the green and how does it affect you, your job um yeah I said I'm probably 35 years plus in the golf industry um it's year on year Plug marks are probably the biggest challenge you're going to face on a, on um in what sense? Just golfers, some golfers repair them correctly. Um, some pair, like see when you when a, a ball's coming in, just say from 150 yards, and I don't know what height the ball comes in at, but it it creates a plug mark or an indent into the green. So you you've damaged or bruised the, the surface. So if that's not repaired correctly, and that's like if there's like dead grass there or you know a uh, just take remove it from the green and try and bring in the fresh grass in from the side and tap it back down. So you're trying to you not leave the surface uh, damaged. You're trying to create take away the dead grass and or the damaged area and bring in the fresh grass from the sides uh, with the plug with the pitch and marker. You have, like when there's a lot of plug marks and stuff. Like your team has to spend a lot of time actually. Yeah, like typical after, well, after um, the Christmas period, I'd always try and early in January, uh, I'd send a team of three or four out to repair pitch marks. Typically uh, last week, um, three, three days, three of the team, greenkeeping team spent three days repairing pitch marks and we got eight greens done. Eight greens, three days. So it's really tedious, but it, it's worth it to the golfer. And worth it to ourselves from the surfaces because the surfaces don't repair. Or there's no growth this time of the year. So it's, it's yeah. some amount of resource spent to just repairing the stuff that should be really done by the golfer. That yeah. can be done by the golfer. Yeah, yeah, yeah and like we don't. It's, I think it's the correct, and I think maybe with Phil and 
we look at we did a video there a few years ago on how to repair a pitch mark correctly. So that might, we might put that back up live on your. <laughs> yeah, I think it could be good. I think it might it, be worth it if it's taking you three days, three people, three days to do eight greens. Yeah, it's definitely something that needs a, a, a education. It is, and like every golfer that you talk to will have repaired every plug yeah. they've ever seen. But look, it, it, I think it's sometimes it's part and parcel of the business. As well. Every club has it, yeah, um, from experience. Uh, yeah, and I don't think it's done maliciously either. It's like, not, no. You know, no. Sometimes the, you can't find it. The divot bag as well, is that, that important? Yeah, I like the divot bag. Probably, I think it was introduced about four years ago into the club now. Um, I'm confused about it, so maybe you can clarify yeah. it. <laughs> uh, Basically, when when golfers uh, go out, I know the, ideally the best thing to do is repair your your. Well, uh, if you take a divot, repair your divot, put the fresh grass or your divot back into your divot. If you want to rub a bit of sand from the divot bag over the top of it, but don't do not put it underneath the divot. Okay. Because the divot will dry out on you. Okay. Um, well, I've so been doing that wrong for the last <laughs> thirty odd years. <laughs> so always on top. So you want to get keep soil and soil contact. And you don't. I, like. Put the divot in, step on it to apply yeah. pressure, and then put a little bit of sand if you want. If it doesn't sit back in, if the divot's too small, just and you know sometimes you get a divot that explodes. explode. Like. Um, just re, re put the, your divot mix back in then. So, and sometimes you guys, with golfers, get a bad rap as well. Um, from they will repair divot. Sometimes it does dry out because like, we don't have fairway fairway irrigation, so we that's something that we the, the divot will you know dry out and disappear so uh, so that's why it's always important to try and maybe like the plug marks repair your own and maybe one other yeah yep. yeah it's so true now Dave <laughs> thanks you, 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 you know that I, I play a bit of golf you see me I out do. there in the mornings <laughs> um, coming into winter and over the winter period there was one thing that I noticed here more than any other course uh, on other courses, the ball wasn't running on the fairways. The balls were still bouncing and running here because the fairways were firm underfoot. How are you doing that? Um, back about was 10, 10 years ago now, we did a lot of uh, fairway uh, drainage work and then it was followed again by a top dressing um, sand. So in the first couple of years, we used to do a double sanding. So we'd put out um, 500 ton in the spring and then again in the autumn. Uh, so we've continued that uh, for the last 10, well, 10 years, but we've reduced it to one application a year now, 500 ton for the last five years. So wow. it's, it's worked brilliant. So you're just... It really does, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. It's, and again, I suppose the club... Uh, who's the treasurer of the club? <laughs> <laughs> Niall, is it? Niall, uh, if Niall's listening, uh, it'd be nice to get another, you know, a second application for a three-year period as because well. It's so. very noticeable when you go to any other golf course to hear like the ball still running on the fairway here. Yeah, no, it, it's it's probably been one of the biggest things we've done. Um, sand, uh, as, sand. as you alluded to, I think maybe ten years ago the course used to close quite regularly mm. because of. Uh, those kind of softer conditions but it's amazing how you can change bring, it around yeah yeah, yeah. yeah you, you definitely uh, 10 years ago like we, we used to lose a lot of holes a lot of play over the winter um, I'm big into infrastructure under the ground so we put a good drainage system you know a lot of you know main drains laterals um, so so are you saying there's actual drains under the fairways yeah we would have installed drains um running across fairways and then along both sides 
especially on our wetter holes down the bottom of the course. That's interesting. I just thought it was just a bit of sand you were putting down, but no. there's actual drains under yeah. there. You, yeah. you would have seen it maybe, remember when the course dried out a couple of years ago, yeah. you'd see the drainage kind of, what are they called, slits or something? Yeah, there's slit drainage. Um, and before I came here, the 13th would have been um, heavily drained as well. And it's very interesting. When it does dry out, maybe you'll have your drone up in the summer if you do get a good summer. At the lines? You'll see the lines, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. How deep down do they go? It kind of varies. There's like land changes so much from the different parts. So, yeah. so typically a lateral drain will go down five to six hundred uh, deep. Uh, sometimes your carrier drains along the side will go will go down eight hundred mil to one meter. Okay, depends, and then it's falls and grades, and yeah. it's mm. it's it kind of varies. It's amazing. It's amazing because like it's one thing that I do notice from playing here to other courses is how during the winter it's still firm and fast and that's it, what's happening. It's yeah and then that's what the, it's brilliant from the inputs from the golf club and um, putting resources into that like and seeing the value in it but again the thing is you have to keep doing it. Um, if if the, the value is obviously in the course can stay open for longer. And journey. stay in better condition as well. In better condition, so you can get green fees and stuff like that, you know. So it's beneficial long term. Yeah, really. I mean, like, the, club, the club can obviously recoup that from staying. So like, we've had a few visitors and guests come here because their own clubs have been closed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And they're yeah. all of a sudden hidden shots that are rolling down the fairway here. So it does <laughs> yeah, yeah. obviously come back in When ways. you see a drive bounce in the, mid, like yeah, in the middle November, of the wet season, then, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And again, like, I suppose. Sand is good, but then you know you do have the rain, and it we are a rainy, climatic, mm. yeah. westerly, <laughs> born country. So uh, you know there is challenges when we do get high rainfall as well. But that's ah, yeah. that's when we yeah. might you have to mind the course, and it might be only for a twenty-four hour period. Like yeah, we um, we filmed a video here last year before Open Week, and the course was immaculate how like the greens were for everything it looked like a, a championship was about to happen how do you get a course a prep a course to that actual level and get the greens that fast and everything yeah i suppose it's it's, it's a process through the year like it just it, it we'd be peaking to our major competitions and we would class open week as one of our majors um along with our captains uh, prizes and there'd be different you know I suppose a corporate day be another there'll be big different yeah. stages during the year so that's why in a, like actually tomorrow we're going to deep bury just going to be deep uh, tining the greens um, then in September in March we'll air eight greens um, with, with uh, 10 mil hollow tines just trying again to remove yeah. the organic matter as we spoke about earlier in, in August we'll do the same but it'll probably be with eight, 6 8 mil tines so we get less aggressive as the year goes on yeah, yeah. because I believe you know playing surfaces you know when golfers spring of the year is always tough to maintain a golf course no matter where you are because yeah. you have no growth you have sporadic growth you have different growth levels you're recovering from the winter but I love having the golf course getting better and better as the year goes on and golfers get used to it and you know at the end of the year you still have finals and match plays and yeah. hopefully the, the club has a good run in the inter-club competitions and so the business end of the year as I, I always see it is the late latter half of the year plus I go back to grass now, which I'm, I suppose yeah, I, work away, work I always away. talk about grass, but um, uh, Poa Annua or Metagrass, um, green, 
perennial greens generally peak in August, September, you know, even into October as a, you know, really good putting surfaces. Mm. On the flip side of that, you know, in June, July, you can get disease pressures from a, a, a pathogen called anthracnose. Mm. So it does um, attack the grass plant. So again, we're, I suppose we're always, you know, mindful of, you might have a nice today and then two days time, you know, the climatic conditions could change and the environmental conditions. So the, the course, the grass plant could come under pressure and sometimes we need plant protection products then mm. to mind it. So, so it's going back to your question of how, um, do, do we peak the golf course? It's, it's a full year on program. I said, there's yeah. no real magic bullet. It's, you know, obviously for open week and when you played that, that morning, I, I still remember it. Uh, the weather conditions were perfect. We had nice rainfall yeah, you know, over yeah. the previous month. Uh, we would actually pre a dry period previous to that, which is also important to dry the the, gra or the ground down. So it's it's a process of work, and then you're peaking your golf course to that date. So you might double brush greens, um, lower heights a fraction, give them an extra roll or an iron. Yeah. How um, often are you ironing the greens here? Again, the surfaces here are just amazing. Since we've done, you know, increased our sanding and, and tried to reduce our organic matter levels, we've increased our uh, uh, rolling the greens. Um, and the main reason because that now because if you roll greens and the greens are not able to be rolled, you're doing more damage because you're basically taking all the oxygen or compacting them. Or, okay. Uh, but if you can get your surfaces that they're, you know, lower the, mo the moisture levels in them, which is very tricky, with, I believe, a poa on you. But, yeah, so, um, so how, if you go out in the morning and you're like, all right, I'm going to roll the greens, are you testing them beforehand? We'd normally look, yeah, sometimes we'd, we'd like, we'd have... Uh, uh, moisture readers and that but generally you'd know from sometimes it's an art greenkeeping as well so you'd know from your you know you prepare you'd be preparing the golf course so it, it might be wrong in saying it's an art but yeah. it is in fairness so like there might be no rainfall the night before or you know you want to get the greens to this level yeah so you, you might give them an extra iron and then i suppose the the, the dreaded stimp meter so we'd measure the speed on the greens the trueness the ball roll so we'd know where greens are running at and what here do, what do they usually run at I, I like to run at about 10 and a half here for peak tournament because the greens are quite undulated so there is a lot of movement for, for open week no, I know they got that the day you were out that day morning they were 11 yeah that was cool so they were nice and see if you get the firmness with speed then you're on a winner yeah. you yeah. really are like, you, you don't, and you actually don't need as much speed if you have the firmness yeah you don't really you never want them to get too fast because no. your, your average golfer as well will be three putting more often yeah. than not yeah. if they're too fast yeah. and too firm I, I suppose I'm lucky I play golf, so I just think the 10, 10 and a half putting surface is stunning. Yeah. Uh, at the moment, greens are running a little over nine for winter, and I'd be it's really pleased after winter. Yeah, what, really if, if you were to compare that to, say, an Irish Open green speed, I think, mm -hmm. uh, I think about 11. Yeah, Irish Open 10 and a half to 11, yeah. So similar. Yeah. Sometimes on the links is then they, they drop them to yeah, nine and a half, so. 10, depending. It's all, then links is called to wind speed. Yeah. yeah, we yeah, generally yeah. we don't worry about wind that much. Yeah, uh, you just touched on something that I wanted to ask you about. Like, uh, it's quite clear that you're not only passionate about 
the grass and the greenkeeping, but you're looking at it from a perspective of a golfer. How important do you think that is in what you do? Oh, very important. Because, uh, like, and that's why sometimes I bring a putter out in the golf course. Yeah, it's you know, stint meter. You you be seeing what the golfer. I know what the golfer is playing. Yeah, and I'd kind of be able to relate. Like if I suppose I got a played with Bernard uh, during the summer in the golf course, and um, it was just lovely to get out, hit a few shots, and just see. I always look looking at other people playing as well. Yeah, just seeing how their the balls react and you know how they're putting, how they're chipping. Just a whole, I suppose, golf experience, mm. and it is an experience. Like, it, it, it has to be an enjoyable one as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's a good product. Like if you can get it, like, and uh, is when it's right, it's right. But then, and I think I have to stress this: like, when it goes for you, sometimes it's not always plain sailing. Nature mm. will go against you. And yeah. I've had that experience a few years ago when nature does go against you and you just have to, the club just have to support you and work with you and absolutely and yeah. just, it's a, it's a natural product. So you have to, yeah, sometimes yeah. it's not, it's like, I suppose, pulling a muscle or breaking a leg. You just have to wait till it repairs. So. Yeah. But it's, it's incredibly weather dependent. Like you can have your whole schedule lined up and then it can be just thrown on its head with a few, you know, extra mill of rain and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. And then, and I'm going to give this man a, Alan Creighton. He's my course chairman. Um, and the thing I, we've worked really well since um, Alan's come in. He's an environmental scientist with the Equine Centre. And he, I suppose he talks my language. He talks fungi and bacteria and grass plant. And he knows the growing mediums. He knows the environmental pressures that can come under. And I think a lot of like a lot of course committees, a lot of members, you know, they, they do great work, but sometimes they don't understand nature's nature. Yeah. And it yeah, is nature yeah. at the end yeah. of the day. Like you because just can't it, mess with it. We're just after going through like a, a frozen patch where the course was actually closed. It was still, no, it, like it was open, but open and closed. But uh, like, well, what's that doing to the course? That's wrecking my head. <laughs> really. Because <laughs> uh, you have firm surfaces, you know, you have good surfaces and then when you get a frost heave. So basically the frost went about, I think it was four or five nights, good frost went about two inches into the ground, 50 mil. And we we play a winter or a frost course, which to me has been very successful here. So golfers can get out when it's, you know, ground is frosty or that you can hit a ball around, it's a nice walk. Um, but then when you, when the, the when the frost thaws is the is the annoying part because generally it rains so i was in here last saturday evening um and the t- the greens had thawed by 50 percent. so basically there was 50 25 mil on the top and uh, it, it thawed and then underneath was solid so when it rains then you get a little bit of puddling on top and um, so if a golfer goes on that you're going to get root break you're going to get movement so it's like it Pudding on top, or it's like it's really un- unstable. So okay, it's an yeah. unstable surface on top. Yeah. So you just have to be patient and let the the, the ground do what it naturally does. Is tall. Like even though it looks like it's perfect, but yeah. you yeah. step on it and it can still be pretty and solid. Again, that's why I suppose I, that's why you need the support of the club. And in fairness, I do have it here now, so which yeah. is great. Yeah, but you know what's most impressive about that? It's the temporary greens or the frost greens. 
the condition of them is just <laughs> it's unbelievable as well like because a lot of people will say like they have a, a bit like just a circle cut in the fairway mm. like you actually have locations for these greens that seem to be very manicured as well like yeah did, like how long has that been going on yeah i suppose and why? frost course has been five six years now i think in in you know, introduced to the golf here uh, with a lot of the, the, those areas now in approaches um, so we'd, we'd sand we kind of we've kind of developed from the green sanding program now we're going out onto the approaches and surrounds so again it's for organic matter dilution I suppose we've worm casting is another issue so if you've no touch then you uh, organic matter then you don't get as much worm activity um, so it's a it's just more inputs and work. Um, and the good thing as well, like the club have, uh, we've, uh, turf grass are now the agronomists in the, in the, with the club, um, and they're a great support mechanism to myself. So it's always important to have professionals that I can call on as well, that if I need support or advice, you know, cause it's very easy you know, get into a routine of managing the course every day, but you're not looking at the wider picture. So it's mm. always, I always find it good having fresh eyes in the course every so often. Yeah, yeah. And I said, I did allude to Bernard playing with me earlier on in the year. Again, that for me is great because it just, it gives me a different perspective of how I'm, what I'm looking at in the golf course. Yeah. But it's great to have a company like Turfgrass. They're in some pretty impressive places all around Europe yeah, well, as well. What, so. what is Turfgrass? Turfgrass would be a leading agronomy company. Um, so they they basically an advisory or an agronomy company that come in and look at the turfgrass conditions, look at the whole, you know, the, the, the site and work with myself and we de- develop programs that work, you know, for an Are, they, are club. they essentially like auditing the, not auditing? But uh, like no, they'd be more an advisory and a support role. Okay. Um, so they, they'd said they'd have their plans that work for you know metagrass i'd have huge experience uh, i suppose in the ergonomic world as well like if yeah. what am i 20 years here at nice golf club uh, yeah. probably that's great 27 years as a course manager so you know and then sometimes you do need sports to you just need and it's like every you know in every industry i'm sure there is consultant companies that come in maybe the consultancy based company yeah yeah, yeah. Um, like a second pair of eyes basically just like a pair of eyes but they're hugely professional yeah like i value their opinion unbelievably and like i've worked with good agronomists as well over the years yeah. so i would always had an agronomist uh like a for had dr michael fox um so i i like it's a support mechanism for me as well plus you're always learning you yep. never stop learning yeah that's that's kind of key isn't it yeah that's kind of key you got to play that day with a a journalist as well wasn't oh it? greg allen yeah yeah, yeah that was he nice. was impressed wasn't he uh, greg's a lovely guy um i've met greg a few times now um just real, real uh, golfer like as well obviously just, he's a golf journalist but yeah. a, a, a golf another golf historian as well yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah like after it now really enjoyed that day and we must do it again um, no, Greg is he just loves golf but I actually what I loved was the ease of the round of golf like we just the three of myself Bernard and Greg went out and it was just the ease around. It was just such an. It's probably one of my favorite rounds of golf ever. Yeah, yeah. Um, the course for ourselves, like the course. Was a a, up, yeah. It was just just a lovely game. Um, but he, he was impressed with 
he'd never yeah. played nice hadn't he no? yeah he put up some nice uh, photos as well yeah, but he had never played it and this is kind of going back to I won't, I won't say the word again but like he he was sort of unaware of how good it actually was so yeah yeah and it can really shock people like yeah and again I suppose I go back uh, I like bringing professionals in to support as well so we'd have uh, re-golf uh, would be our golf course architect team okay yeah um, yeah. like so we've redesigned bunkers from 1 to 12 uh, hopefully we'll get the back uh, 6 holes in there shortly um, so again we've Iowa class we've the top of the range um, from the turf grass and re-golf in the golf industry in Ireland as, as our, another support mechanism to the yeah. standards yeah. we create and re-golf redid the bunkers as well um, do you want to talk about what, what this sports bond is or capillary concrete or what yeah. one do we have uh, yeah, because it, uh, yeah, is the are you talking about the difference between the two bunkers? On yeah, the front and back nine, back six. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, I suppose bunkers and greenkeepers and golfers are uh, bunkers are in, uh, they're incredible on the golf course. Uh, some golf course architects see them as the I suppose the Augusta style, the American style, big sand splashes, big impacts. I'm see it totally different uh, from a from a I suppose. In Ireland, we have a lot of links courses. I like the kind of running game, swales around greens. So you don't need these big sand splashes that are nearly impossible to maintain. So with Regolf, uh, our architects and, and the course development committee, uh, there was a style of bunker that we've implemented in these golf clubs. So it sits really in tight to the greens. Uh, we've run offs around it. So it gives the same, it gives probably a more challenging uh, effect to to your shot, but for me, like we, all our new bunkers are all hand raked. None of them are are machine raked anymore. So we've uh, we've just brought the under with the sports bond. Uh, we've full drainage system underneath, and um, that you know no matter how much rain falls in it, the bunkers are always in play. So again, oh, that's on the one to, one to twelve. Yeah. One to twelve. Yeah. The probably the best thing we've ever done, but you can't it hand rake is, greens. Yeah. Or sorry, you can't hand rake greenside bunkers if you don't. They can't be like massive. They have to be strategically placed in the right spot and do a job for you. So we do. Um, we've kind of a, oh, we'd have a nine-inch face on them, a grass face to give that kind of three D effect that the bunker actually stands out at you rather than just a flat piece of sand. I mean, it stands out from the fairway. Like you yeah, yeah. It's, it's really really clever design now, and it seems to be. If you look at the trend within golf courses, it seems to be coming more and more. That style is coming into the. the sm in, in are smaller bunkers becoming more popular than you said? This is American style. Yeah, I think so because they're more manageable. You can drain them. To, to me, it's just a. But if you're putting in this, yeah, you know, bunker, you have to design the, the green complex to suit it. Mm. So and that's what like we we would have a company called Dar Golf as well. Um, another top class company so I, I tend to deal with top class uh, <laughs> individuals expensive taste <laughs> yeah I have expensive taste but, uh, <laughs> but it's look at you you get what you pay for that, this that's, is it that's uh, what I hope my whole thing comes to even yeah. selling golf clubs you know you buy cheap you buy twice yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but um, so you're telling me 1 to 12 has the drainage and the shows you can play them all year round yep but then from 13 onwards what, what what's the difference in the drainage? Uh, it would be kind of because you know it, it, it's a different style of I suppose golf course architect where it was 
uh, more I would class it as an American yeah. tried to, you know design but the bunkers they don't have any drainage systems in it they're basically cored out of the ground or shaped and then cored out and sand put in and the drainage couple of herringbone systems down the, the bottom but they're not a proper fully drained bunker like and is that why they can it, the bunkers on uh, 13 to 13 onwards can get uh, hard yeah yeah because we don't have that, that they don't have sports they, bonders yeah they, and then i think they're to be there about 25 about 25 years so they're yeah they're probably coming to yeah. their end of life as well so but you know you notice that difference in style definitely they're so much bigger than mm. the, the front 12. i noticed the difference like like uh, in playability yeah and that's i think what matters to members a huge and for us like just at the 15th hole at the moment i think there's 11 bunkers on it just to rake the bunkers with a machine and uh, one of the green keep, one of, one of the green keeping team it takes 45 minutes yeah 45 so, minutes for one hole takes yeah I and do, you can see I, I do love you can see how i see that's a waste of time yeah yeah it's like like preparing the pitch mark yeah <laughs> i do love the 15 though so i will argue with uh, 15 yeah just you like it for another little while we might have, we might, we might have a surprise for you you can do a podcast and that some morning that'd be good philip gets Before, a surprise yeah philip gets a surprise yeah. that might be sooner than you think i was reading an article a while ago dave and they were talking about some of the biggest advances in, in golf over the last 20 years yeah. or more. And the Pro V1 golf ball was one of them. And then kind of the next in line was actually agronomy. Talking okay. about conditions of courses and how we say chemicals that you use and obviously science-based um, input into green keeping has changed. Like, have you found that or what's your experience in it? Yeah, it's, it's like... I suppose the big change, yeah, it was probably about twenty year ago. It was a huge investment went on in, in you know, in yeah, you seen your cartons coming up. You seen, I suppose, Mount Julia was there probably a little longer than that. Was it um, ninety one? So yeah, within thirty. Uh, so you seen a huge investment in Ireland, and a lot of the, I suppose, the top end superintendents then would have been feeding from America. And with this, you know, they were are, I suppose, the leading uh, agronomy system like the US uh, GA uh, agronomists in the world. Um, so we would have learned a lot from them. Yeah, what I see, I suppose, is grass species is one where we did try and introduce uh, a lot of, you know, creeping bents from America. To me, if you're dealing with Poanua, which we are here, you deal, you, you deal with. You might introduce some, you know, support grasses to your meadow grass, but they're not going to be your dominant grasses. Some of the new, like you, you see it there, they're gone with a hundred percent creeping bent grass. Um, so there is the technologies are there. You just need the resources and input to to yeah. To, yeah. to achieve perfection, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but but the high play volume here. Metagrass works probably, for us. That's probably the most impressive thing. Like we, we have a massive membership here in Nice. It's big, like, yeah. and a mm. lot of people play Nice, but it ne- it doesn't look like people have been trodden on the course all day, you know. And that's, I don't know if that's the sanding. If it, I don't know what it is, but like, 
It's I can't. I don't know. It's probably as I said, e- expert uh, greenkeeper. <laughs> I don't know about that, but uh, I think it's yeah. It's a it's a factor of everything. Yeah, it's continually investing and mm. putting inputs in. So you're asking uh, what uh, like uh, our greenkeeper has evolved massively you know from your nutrient inputs like we go in a growth degree day model now so we'd you know feed to the grass plant growing requirements uh you'd we'd get testing with the european laboratory in the uk so we'd know what like what what the grass plant requires what uh the porosity is in the greens you know what organic matter levels mm. so you're going more science based yeah uh, you're, you're dealing as I say so you're, you're dealing with numbers yeah the, the guesswork's kind of taken out it's like it's like you have track man for the yeah. for the fairways now it's guesswork but it's still I still think it's a bit of a science or not science art, art. art. Yeah. you just have to get a feel for, like you just have to know as well because sometimes we could have uh, you know a really cold day and then all of a sudden you're into uh, in the winter of you know Fifth or or ten degree plus days and nights like yeah so like things change here so quick so you have yeah. to be it's an art really yeah especially with science like art and science there you go science based art yeah yeah write that down you have a machine that blows all the debris away how how important is that to the course or is that for aesthetics and playability uh to me we use a, a blower um to every time we cook grass we blow the, the grass clippings off the fairways um mm. again that helps organic matter reduction um leaves are a huge issue for us like from october to november um so we use the machine again like it, it would probably We'd use it about 650 hours a year um, just with a, a tractor and a blower well, yeah. to try and keep the course. You know, aesthetically, I like aesthetics. I, you yeah. know, I like keep like leaves are in use as, as, you know, grass clipping. So you try and keep the course as tidy as you possibly yeah, can. Yeah. It definitely does show like, but all these, it's all these little things that you're doing and make yeah. it like that. Like. And again, like rough mower would be up around 650 hours a, a year as well. Like, so you be, actually, have, you have a rough mower, yeah? Yeah, we have rough. You don't just let the rough grow. <laughs> no, <laughs> it feels like it sometimes. Yeah, the rough mower, it, it goes out, we do a full cup once a year, or sorry, once a week. And, uh, uh, we'd then we do kind of stripe the course like you know two stripes around each fairway so aesthetically it looks well for the weekend mm-hmm. uh, and again as Bernard asked earlier with the technology I would use some growth regulators in the outer roughs to stop the grass growing as long or as quick and um, so basically it, it's um, it affects the gerbilic acid in the plant so there's an it inhibits the the, the leaf growth Right, so uh, you so fertilizer to make the grass grow and stuff yeah, it grow. Yeah, so well, actually we do on fairways. We we use grow regulators as well with with um, nutrient inputs, and um, so we do want to keep the color and aesthetics right, yeah. but we don't want to produce yield of grass. Okay, wow. So we do stop the grass you're, you're growing. You're not taking silage off, yeah? <laughs> no, you can't because it. Well, obviously, you're, with the cost now of machinery, uh, repair and use, labor, um, and fuel costs. It's it's uh, it's it's it, it's another tool we use. I've used it for years, but um, so it's, again, it's, golfers like aesthetics. As it's well. su- such a management role that you're in. Like even just what you just said there: fuel costs, machinery costs, staffing. Yeah 
fertilizing weather. You forgot one thing, golfers. Golfers. <laughs> it's more than just uh, they're the nuisance, you know. <laughs> but like it, it really is. I like, am. Um, you know, the, your role is like course manager now. It's not greenkeeper anymore. It's it's su- such a varied uh, and kind of you need to be quite on the ball for it. Mm. Yeah, it's a nice role. In fairness, it's like everything. It's nice when things are going well, mm. um, which generally they do here. Uh, nice. Um, but yeah, you have to it, look at that. That's part of having good staff under you. My assistant, David's really good. Mm. Tom, John, uh, Pat, uh, Andrew, um, they're part of the team. Yeah, they're all really And nice then I'd have well. summer staff that come in as well, or seasonal staff, as I call them now, because I try and extend the summer. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, know, it's there, good. There's a thing on the timesheet as well. Course preparation. Yeah. It's probably one of the biggest things we've done. Because you don't because, see it on a lot of other golf courses. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah that's a great point. Because it's one of the biggest things we've uh, introduced here. Every week we have a course maintenance morning. So we'd have the golf course booked till half nine. And that might mm. sound, uh, it's only half nine in the morning. But like, well, the way ooh, I see ooh, it is now you're gearing the course for the weekend for all the competitions happening and then the footfall increases dramatically so you obviously have to nearly replenish and nearly get ready for next weekend so that Uh, can't happen if the course is full again would that be correct yes i suppose yes and no Uh, it's it's correct i'd like to try and think you see we it gives me time to uh, put if you want to do sand top dressing if you want to go uh uh, edge the bunkers in the front nine or strim the, the bunker faces so I don't we don't have golfers you know sometimes golfers just say three golfers go out in the morning and they're out at early and it could be on three different holes so they in, I can't I can't it, it, it interferes with I suppose staff productivity mm. that if I know the golf course is closed till half nine in the morning like I have three and a half hours ahead of golf so I know what I can do. I can take holes out. I can, you know, if I want to sand it, you know, green surrounds, I can do that, tease. And I have all that done before golf comes out rather than jumping between golf and holes. And so it's, it's just a management tool. Yeah. But it means my productivity is trebled. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like every hour seems to count. Oh, yeah, you see that in the mornings yeah. where like the lads in the golf shop. Like uh, sometimes if I say half eight, it's half eight or yeah. half nine, yeah. and we have it down to minutes. Like yeah. it's we try and and it's not that we're you know trying to stop golfers going out. We just have a routine and a program to try and get the max out of that morning yeah. or every morning. And out of the course, you know, it's it's the best thing we've ever done. is introduce that maintenance morning because you don't and see it anywhere sounds, else. Like. Yeah, and you will though. You'll yeah. see more and more courses like doing that. It's big in America. Mm. Some um, courses should it you know, could have they maintenance did, they Monday in Carton when I was there. Yeah. Used to open at half eleven. Yeah, yeah. On Mondays, and I didn't like the chance that. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. That's a very good point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but to me, yeah, half nine is it's it's, it's huge because again, a lot of it. If we're sand half dressing in the morning, sand generally doesn't start drying till half eight nine o'clock. Yeah. So it allows me, or even it, it, it's you can't. It's very hard to brush in wet sand. You have to let it dry. Yeah. So a lot of it's it's just to get that. Then when we get. Oh, so that's why you use throw on the sand. Yeah. Leave or it. sprinkle it on. Leave it and go off and then come back. Yeah. And do uh, uh, dry. 
you don't get kill and dried sand no uh, we do, yeah we actually use some different profiles and again going back to your question earlier was very good how has everything changed we would use a, a, a kill and dry clay in the in our sand mixes now wow. um, I was kind of joking about that but yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so we do it there's an awful lot of stuff that goes on that I suppose yeah, don't, don't uh, know that, yeah. yeah we just I suppose maybe I, it's just part of routine for me I you know, but like we crawl up, sorry, product called Profile. When we mix it into the greens, so we top dress right through the winter now as well. Yeah. Now we have to be very careful with that because you're into high disease pressure. So it'd be when the environmental conditions allow you, maybe there's rain coming. Yeah, and then our our sands here in this country are, have a high pH, and so like you're looking seven point eight eight pH. So then I use acidifying products to try and acidify the surfaces. Mm. So the higher the you know the pH goes, the more um, I suppose disease activity we'd have or fusarium and that. So it's just again, it's a tricky balance. It's a balance, <laughs> it's act, isn't it? it really and there is, is no balance sometimes. You you're, know, talking, yeah. you're talking about sand there. Are yeah. you using the same sand that you're on the greens as in the bunkers? No, different, different vein. What's the uh, there'd be a coarser vein in the sand or in the in the bunkers. Yeah. It'd, uh, there's just I can't think of the spec offhand. I think it's zero point two five mil to just say one less than one mil for green sand. Okay. So you're under a, a mil of. Uh, so it's it's smaller and just gets smaller, into the. Yeah. So it'd be over one mil for the for the. And like bunkers. when you're like, uh, if you wanted to change all the bunkers tomorrow, could you change the sand in all the bunkers tomorrow to a different like it make a fluffier? You can, you can on the new bunkers because they're they could actually economically visa viable to do it. Uh, we will now the new bunkers. We will tidy them up, put fresh sand in the bottom of the just to top them up but we will uh, freshen them up just before the season kicks in because that'll happen maybe the end of February okay it's just because you you have to try and get it's like if you had huge staff numbers you could do it whenever you want but we've just loads of different projects going on so and then you have to kind of like course maintenance number one so so moving on from that question I asked you like <laughs> 20 years like how do you see we say the next 10 years go here and for greenkeeping <laughs> course maintenance in general the next 10 years are going to be very very interesting again again going back to Meadowgrass Poanua it's a high disease pressure grass it's it's a high pressure so if we don't have the plant protection products mm. and with the environment European environmental agencies and that there's meant to be more chemical reduction or plant protection product reduction so if we don't have that then we might be forced down to change our grass species so I'm hoping we're not that but then you know how innovative people are and um, so hopefully there will be new um, there will be new uh, innovations coming along that will Are you already planning for something like that? Are you uh, yeah I yes and no uh, I suppose at the moment is we're reducing organic matter levels trying to get that get the surfaces dry so then it will be an easier transition if you want to bring in brown top bents or creeping bents or if you want to change the dynamics of the green but hopefully it won't come to that because like we do have a lot of you know different IPM tools that we can use um, like mm. phosphites and I suppose coppers and different fertilizers and acidifiers and so yeah it, it, the, 
hopefully not. Hopefully we can still maintain the surfaces that we have, but we do need, if the plant protection products are taken away, then that could be, then we might be forced down a road that everybody's going to be forced down. Okay. So we'll all be in the same position. Right. Wow, that could change golf you know, courses it, it completely. Could be, completely yeah. yeah, so that's a good question, Bernard. Yeah, not the answer so I was looking for. So I think we just have to watch the space, really, um, because there is big EU changes coming, um, legislation changes. So we'll just let's watch the space, as he said. And, yeah. But like generally, people are very will adapt and yeah. inventive yeah. and yeah. hopefully inventive is the right word and I think hope in in another 12 months we might be talking totally different so it was no point in preempting like we know chemical reduction is going to reduce yeah. 100% yeah. so but look, look we've got IPM tools there now but the golfers are going to have to just or have to be aware of you know if we do get different pathogen or disease outbreaks that you know, it's part and parcel of the environmental constraints that we're 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 facing. Like, that's so that's then then we can introduce new grass species, because then you'll have to put, you know, if if there's no longer grass there, then it's easier to get new grass to grow. But uh, to try and these greens and nace are very dense at the moment, so to get trying anything to 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 go into those. Don't uh, take years. Grass will take a while. So yeah. it's not. I've, we've overseed. Like I generally overseed. Every time you change holes, I would use a, an overseeding mix into that. So indirectly or directly, I'm always putting new cultivars in the grass, in, in the green species. So, okay. in, you know, would I even, and then if you see the greens uh, late summer, you'll see a lot of brown or a lot of creeping bent green or grass in them. Will you, yeah? You will, because it's warm. So there is, like, there's different species of grass in the greens. Yeah. Poets, you're predominantly, okay. you know, it's your lead grass. Are you talking five or six species? Yeah, like I would generally put in some brown, I'd, I'd mix it. Uh, there's creeping bents, it would be the main one I would have used over the years. And then I introduced two seasons ago brown top. So those grasses are still there. Okay. So you're still hedging your bets, but, you know, Poa is your number one at the moment. Okay. But it is a tough, tricky Bio-tork. High maintenance. Yeah, it's yeah. high maintenance. And if you were giving advice to uh, to a, a club member, yep. like how do they keep the course to the best that they can when they're out there? Is it carry the seed mix, try to repair? Carry the seed mix. I suppose winter, um, just use, the, you know, if you can carry a bag, it would be brilliant. Use carrier bags. Try and take the, you know, the, the as much pressure off the course the grass plant as you can. Um, uh, the ropes are there for a reason. Um, so summer then, try not to walk between the green and uh, a, bun- a green side bunker and the green. Go around the bunker. Always stay to the outside. Because all we we'll have to do, we'll be putting hoops in just to try and get to manage traffic. And it's just, a, it's, it's just aesthetically, it doesn't look well. But yeah. sometimes we have to do it like, it, like it's in 12 and 17, we've no choice. Because uh, golfers keep walking between the green. Look, at it, it's natural. Hmm. It's very hard. It's golfers, golfers are out there. Golfers are out there to enjoy the game as well, and yeah. that's one thing I'm very conscious of that we don't. It's just to make awareness, but you know, golfers have to enjoy the game as well. Like so, they're Absolutely. there for this relaxation as well. Well, some golfers, I don't know whether relaxation or <laughs> frustration. <laughs> frustration. Yeah. It's a, it's a it's tricky a mixture, one, but yeah. it's it's a mixture. Yeah. But it's look at everybody. 
it takes I think at different times people take different things from their golf game they want competitive they want they, or other days just want to go out and have a chat and relax so yeah, yeah, yeah. everybody wants something different I think that's what I really seen through I suppose at the time of COVID and that the value that has come back into golf has been phenomenal it's just in what sense people see you know they're in, it's a leisure activity yeah but like you can meet people uh, you can you can go out just for yourself and hit a few balls around yeah. and get away from everybody. So it's good it's good headspace socially, just, mentally, socially. It's fantastic. It's, yeah. And I think that's has been so underestimated over the years. It's hearing stories of guys during COVID when the courses were closed, getting into their golf gear and Under Armour and foot joint, walking down the canal in the four ball. You know, there's yeah, yeah, like yeah. just the, just the kind of <laughs> but that's that's what I think a lot of the focus has been taken away in golf, like. It it is a sport. It is a you know, mm. it's interact with people. It's and then like with technologies, uh, it's Bernard and you know like technology is phenomenal now in the golf. Yeah, you know from irons and like, I remember playing my, one of my first sets were Maraman years ago. Oh, the yeah, plates yeah. like and then we were hitting the what do you call it? What's the plata? Was it or the plata? Yeah. yeah. So like you know it's it's and then to see the range of clubs here and it was you know it's it just everything has evolved it's brilliant yeah. like yeah and i love you know track man and i love you know hitting golf by numbers yeah and we and that's what we do in the golf course as well like because we we do organic matter tests and we do ball rolls speeds yeah um, yeah moisture control so we're managing my numbers in the course as well like so from a maintenance point you of view what? i'm gonna have to uh you have a stint meter out there do you i do you're yeah. not getting it <laughs> <laughs> i give no, it to you in august <laughs> I'll, uh, i must come out and just shoot a little thing of oh yeah testing the greens it's, yeah. not, it's not as fancy as you think it is though well, is it's, it? a, it's, it's a little v-shaped thing it's, isn't it yeah, it's just yeah, a, a meter long ruler <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah but the green quality is the 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 part of it yeah, that I like. Yeah, and again, uh, from that green quality, and then but everything changes, varies from day to day. And uh, as Bern said earlier, like how do I, you know, from a tournament point of view, or I think it was yourself, Phil, uh, you, you know, so I think golfers have to understand, like you know, everything changes day to day in a golf course. It's a natural product, so we can change it into a tournament we can prepare it or you can keep it just last today like mm. for leisure like greens were cut this morning it's a tuesday um we'll foliar feed them tomorrow um put about five units of nitrogen in them um and then there's other you know, ipm products we put in with that as well you so. mentioned that the greens are running at nine at the moment is it? yeah like that's uh, something still that quick. is very strange or something that you have changed maybe or you've been advised to change because yeah, the heights it, of cuts haven't really gone up too much that you'd expect for the winter no we can again that's you know working with a, you know Trevor and, and Turfgrass our agronomy team um, the importance of um, you know keep, keeping low heights of cut but then again we will be using plant protection products on a four, 7 to 14 day cycle you know so we're, again the height inputs are reflecting the yeah. heights if you know what I mean okay so sometimes you have to take the stress off the plant as well uh, different times of the year like at the moment I'd be very pleased with them they're in good shape now we did get a you know a little bit of a pathogen uh, physarium outbreak there just a week after Christmas and I'm kind of going how did that ever happen but again I have to tell myself like it's you, a natural it, thing it's it, 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 like the spores are in the environment their soil you know airborne spores environmental triggers 
because like we've done we, we've did everything that we possibly could but like nature just sometimes yes. just yeah. hammers you so and again they're recovering like yeah. quickly you know within a week or two we won't see it but it's just again it's, it's to remind everybody that if you know other greenkeepers out there or, or you know course committees and other clubs you know if there is an issue it's not done intentionally or it's an environmental yeah, yeah, pressure yeah. that happens and support your greenkeeping team like yeah. they're like they've been probably they're doing a job a really good job all year round and if something goes wrong just support them even more yeah that's, that's yeah, the yeah, important yeah. one last question before i let you go Thanks. <laughs> Do you choose the pin positions? <laughs> um, no, uh, no, I, uh, no. John, um, one of our greenkeepers, a really good guy. Um, he has been cutting pins now for the last couple of years so yeah. can, it's all on John <laughs> okay, <laughs> or sometimes so, the captain like, well, the captain well, can pick them sometimes as well I, I so uh, have a word with John yeah we have a word with John uh, <laughs> no in fairness he, he, he does a good job now he couldn't do it better so yeah there, there's a few tricky pins out there sometimes it's, yeah look you have to vary it we use a, a tree pin rotational system yeah works very well because again it's it's all about spreading wear um, yeah move and play around and that's what we try and do so uh, well listen Dave thank you very much for coming on thank you dude. that was uh, actually really enjoyable so thank very you and best of luck for your education it was yeah, I it just kind of it was good and really best of luck with your podcast as well eh? thanks very much and uh, I'm going to link Dave's uh, Twitter below there if you want to follow him and see what he's up to and uh, thanks as always guys for listening and we'll see you next time thanks Bernard thanks Will thanks Cheers. Dave thanks Will thank you bye bye